Well, amen. Yeah, okay, so some of us are ready to rehearse for heaven. (laughs) And others of us are still on the journey. (laughs) Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Please have a seat. I, I rather think that to appreciate the, what God was doing in this glorious cacophony of that first day of Pentecost, you have, you have, to, you have to have sat for a while in the, in the pain and the befuddlement of humans' inability to communicate with each other. Maybe you need to have been in a restaurant in a country where you don't speak the language. I steal this totally from Scott Gabrielson, so all credit here. Um, you have to sat in a restaurant in a country whose language you, doesn't under, you don't understand, look at it, and look at a menu that has no pictures, but a lot of words that you don't know what they say, and then have a server who doesn't speak English, and then just try to find some way to communicate, like, moo, moo? only to get the oink, oink, and then to point somewhere else and go, block, 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 block. We'll go with the block, block, block. So on this unique Pentecost day some 2,000 years ago, God gives a, a little window into what he's doing to reverse what the Bible remembers as the curse of the Tower of Babel, that day when our pride forced our division into separate and competing echo chambers of language and culture. Here in Jerusalem, people gathered from what was thought of as the whole civilized world in modern terms, from Iran to Italy and Greece, from Turkey to North Africa, cultures divided by histories of distrust, conquest, mutual loathing, hearts shaped by cultures with different religious instincts, polytheism, nature worship, ancestor worship, (laughs) no worship, and on this day, A tiny group of Galilean fishermen, tax collectors, and former revolutionaries are given the supernatural ability to tell God's singularly great story of his love for and reclamation of his world through Jesus Christ in everybody else's native tongue and heart language. So, well, what lasts? What carries over from Pentecost? Well, I would humbly submit that what doesn't carry over is this particular linguistic miracle, the ability to speak other people's languages with no training, at least in a normative sense. The New Testament itself records no precise parallel to the day of Pentecost. Tongues, yes, but people hearing in their own dialect or language? No, the New Testament doesn't talk that way. And nobody I know has, who has been called to the mission field 
no matter how ardent a tongue speaker has been able to avoid language school. Boy, that'd be really nice. I wish I could have gone to seminary and said, Lord, I really don't want to take Greek and Hebrew. Could I just, could you just? <laughs> Didn't do that. Two things, I think, do carry over. The love and the fire. The first thing that carries over from Pentecost is the love. Love now compels believers to understand and speak the dialects and the heart language of other people. Not just to sit in Jerusalem and wait for everybody to come to them, but rather to go to Iran and Italy and Greece, to Turkey and North Africa and beyond. Love puts Philip in the chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch. Love puts Paul. Paul is the one who says God's love compels us to tell. Love puts Paul in a prison in Rome, waiting to speak to the emperor. Love sends doubting Thomas to India. Love sends Patrick back to an Ireland that had held him as a slave. Love compels John Wycliffe, and now translators who work in his name. Love compels helping hands for Puerto Rican refugees. Love keeps many of you offering Christ's love to friends and neighbors who don't seem to want it. Love leads many of you to set the table for our worship in so many ways so that Christ's love can be made visible. And on a day in which we are honoring young singers and young acolyte um, servants, I simply want to offer this aside. My deepest prayer for you all, young acolytes, young singers, is that what will sustain you beyond perhaps for now parental urging will be that one day you will wake up and realize that it's the sound of Jesus himself singing his love into your life that you first imagined here. And that it is the invisible hands of your loving Heavenly Father embracing you in worship that you help the rest of us to imagine in your service here. Love will send a Georgia Bulldog to Gator Nation. <laughs> Love sends some of us into strange and uncomfortable, uncomfortable places to show and tell the good news, like the missionaries for whom we pray weekly and perhaps those the Lord has yet to call. I'd like to ask one of those missionaries that we pray for every week, Teresa Anstett, who serves with crew in a ministry called, um, called? Story Runners. Yeah, Story Runners. <laughs> to come and tell us a little bit about the call, the vision, and to show us a little bit of the craft of telling the story so that it gets into people's hearts. Teresa, thank you. Thank you. 
appreciate the opportunity to be here. Today, as we know, is Pentecost Sunday, which we got to hear about this morning up here. But it's also the International Day for the Unreached. How many have heard of that? I hadn't heard of it either until last week. Um, but it's a great opportunity and effort by mission agencies and churches to bring attention to and to mobilize the church towards reaching unreached people groups. Now, when we talk about unreached, we're not talking about um, uh, non-Christians in the United States or people who don't believe in Jesus in the Western world. We're talking about the over 2 billion people who woke up this morning in parts of the world where they have little to no access to the gospel. They have no churches, no Christian radio, there are no Christian bookstores, they probably don't even know a Christian or have the Bible in their heart language. So our vision at Story Runners is to take uh, God's word to people in a language that they understand, and that's stories. um, Those two billion people represent 42% of the world's population that currently don't have God's word in their language and, um, and don't understand who Jesus is. And we would like to take that to 500 of those languages by the year 2025. When Jesus was still on the earth, he told his disciples that there was going to come a time when they were going to do greater things than him because he was going to go to the Father and he was going to send his spirit to them, which we heard about this morning. And after God's spirit came to his people at Jerusalem, a couple days later there were two of uh, Jesus' disciples named Peter and John, and they were going to the temple to pray. Well, sitting at the temple gate, was a man who had been paralyzed from birth, and he was begging for money. When he saw Peter and John coming, he asked him for money. And Peter said, look at me. I don't have any money, but what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he reached out and took the man by the arm, and he helped him stand. And immediately the man's legs were strengthened, and he began to walk and jump And praise God. And he went into the temple together with Peter and John, still praising God. And all the people who were there recognized him as the man who had been paralyzed sitting by the gate. And they were amazed by this and rushed towards him. And the man was clinging on to Peter. And Peter, seeing that he had an opportunity to talk to all the people at the same time, he said to them, why are you looking at us as if it was by our power that this man was healed? No. God healed him through faith in the name of Jesus. This is the same Jesus that you rejected and had killed, but God brought him back to life. So now turn from your sins and turn to God that your sins would be wiped away. Well, Peter and John continued to teach about Jesus, and some religious leaders walked up and heard them, and they didn't like what they were hearing. So they had Peter and John arrested, and they threw him in jail. But that day, many people believed, and the church grew to about 5,000. Well, that's our prayer as we take God's word to unreached people groups, that through the power of his spirit, people will believe, and the church will grow, and there will no longer be an international day for unreached peoples. Thank you so much, Teresa. Love 
love moves people to internalize the story so well that they can help other people inhabit the story. And then think about, what do I learn about people? What do I learn about me? What do I learn about God? And how is my life different because I've entered that story and it's entered into me? So the first thing that carries over from Pentecost is the love. And the second thing that carries over from Pentecost is the fire. I once was walking the streets of the capital city of um, a very large country in East Asia with a gentleman who was from the U.S., but who was living there and who had many occasions to discuss with university students in that city uh, different life alternatives, including building one's life on Jesus Christ, as opposed to that country's memory of Confucianism and that country's present commitment to communism. And I said something really profound like, gee, I bet that's really hard. And his answer just came straight from the heart. With Confucianism and communism shaping everybody's heart, if I didn't believe that my heavenly Father won't take no from those he has truly called. And if I didn't believe that when he calls, the fire falls, I'd pack up and go home tomorrow. But I'm here for good. And what keeps me here is that the Father does call and the fire does fall. Friends, Pentecost means love will get you where the Lord needs you to be. And Pentecost means the fire will fall. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even think to ask, to him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and forever. Amen.